Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. series now for a few weeks on redeeming the times. Pray it's been a blessing to everybody in the midst of everything. It just felt in my heart to finish it up this week of part four in kind of a prophetic way uh, in a personal application to your life. You ever notice how when you got saved or maybe you didn't, maybe you just got saved, but I know when I got saved, things in the kingdom of God worked really quickly. You know what I mean? Like it was like you prayed once on Tuesday and Wednesday, the answer was coming. You like gave your first tithe and that week you saw a supernatural increase. It was like instantaneous. Then you started serving the Lord and you're like, man, what happened to like the instant gratification of the spirit of the Lord? And so I feel to encourage you in here. I believe that this place is filled with faithful people that love God. We're of all different walks of life, all different callings. Thank God we're not all called in the ministry. Amen. Thank God we have individual callings that we can be confident in those callings and stand for those, whatever the Lord has placed you and gifted you for, be confident in that. But I want to speak to you from a place of perhaps you have been in an area or a season of life that has been very long in the sense of some things that you've been believing the Lord for, promises of God that have just been very slow in coming and to the point where sometimes you have to stir yourself back up to remember those promises. Sometimes maybe you're waiting on something in life, waiting on a breakthrough, waiting on a spouse, you know. Everybody else came to the church and they found their spouse in one week, you know. They went forward for prayer one time, some lady fell in their lap and they were married the next week. And you've been single for 28 years. You're like, God, what's going on here, bro? I mean, I'm not trying to be negative, but I would like a special somebody too. <laughs> Every Valentine's Day is just a reminder that I'm dating Jesus. <laughs> You're the only one I need, but I would need someone else too, please. You know how it is. Waiting on promises of God and, and, and time begins to steal excitement from it because you've just been waiting so long you begin to lose faith on it and then ultimately the enemy would love to see you totally give up on it and lose all hope so that you become bitter and angry and drift away but you're not of that stock because you're still here you still love the Lord you're still stirring that promise within you every day and night speaking it out some of you print it out and stick it on your mirrors and look at it every day and speak it out come on somebody you stir yourself up. Sometimes there is that waiting for things to happen. But in the length of waiting, obviously there's things that God has been doing in you and preparing and putting in you. A lot of the waiting periods are pressure periods of life that we all begin to know very well the longer we live life that life is great at giving you pressure. Pressure to be someone you're not. Pressure to have something you don't have. Pressure to look a certain way. Pressure to to do better at things that you currently do, pressure to do more, like always trying to add more on, pressure to look a certain way or have all the things that you're supposed to have in line. Pressure comes always pushing and, and, and pressing in at all sides. And the good thing about pressure is, is that external pressure causes the things in you to come out. And so when the pressure of life came, the pressure of sickness came, you had that two-week bubble where you were just as negative as any Nancy that's ever walked planet Earth. You know how it is. I mean, I've been teaching my kids just we don't, but we don't accept victim mentalities. Amen. Some people are professional victims. Everybody is—it's everybody else that's done them wrong. You know, and uh, you have to get to a point where you let all of that junk be pushed out of your life. So that then what begins to come is the purity of the presence of the Lord and the confidence that, man, this will not break me. This will not be the end of my story. This is not how this thing wraps up. I'm going to break way into the areas in my life that I've been believing God for. And I want to get in that sense of personal things. There's people in this room, perhaps, you know, 
you were born into financial struggles. You were raised in a household that was always struggling financially. And it was always put upon you, the struggle. There was other struggles that went along with that. There's struggles of alcoholism that is present in America. America is not the greatest society that ever lived. We're one of the most alcoholically driven societies. And I know that's not a word, but praise God I'm making one right now. Societies ever. I mean, we, and we, then we numb ourselves. We numb ourselves with prescription medication. And you're raised in households where people were taking uppers, downers, all of these things. And it's just, it's been the story of your life where you're believing for the breakthroughs, you're believing for the big, but you're stuck in this place. But I believe that the Lord is doing something special in this time. And it can begin to be very personal if you would believe it and grab a hold of it. And realize that your turnaround season can be this season that we're in right now. Things are cooking at at an international level all across the nations of the world right now. And in the midst of all of that, there's upheaval. There's change of hands of wealth. There's crazy things that happen. Pressure just changes everything. And we've been under pressure in the United States of America heavily since the beginning of 2020. And I was thinking, you know, as I wrestled about what to bring this morning, I I don't usually like to do prophetic because I don't label myself a prophet, plus I like application. Sometimes as you prophesy, you're like, what is the application part other than just to stir up and believe and shout amen? I love the three steps to the seven reasons of the eight white ways how, you know. I love like meat, you know, like give me, do this, do that, do that, and then you'll have that. I'm like, praise God, I got it. Give me two steps, I'll do three, just to be sure, you know. I'll circle back around. I'm that kind of guy. But I was was studying back and just looking over over the last few years. It's been wild to me. Like at the start of 2020, and I said this a while back, but I pulled up the first sermon I preached in January 6th or whatever of 2020. Don't quote me on that, whatever the first Sunday was. And it was interesting. I said the title of my message was Start the Clock. And it was all centered on the enemy is actually terrified of the body of Christ. Even though it seems like his plan is well devised and he has all the assets and all the resources to crush, to control, to manipulate. But he's actually in stark terror of the children of God. And it's important to stir yourself that because based on the the 12 spies, only two of those spies actually believed the report of the Lord. The other 10 actually believed what the enemy wanted them to believe. That they were nothing but ants in the eyes of the enemy. Meanwhile, the enemy was so scared, 40 years later, they boarded up their cities and shook in fear of the Israelites just walking around playing trombones. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's fear, bro. When your marching band makes them lock the gates up tight and they're... Wait till the football team arrives. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Yeah. The enemy's terrified of the church. He's always been terrified, so he does his best to, 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 to silence us, to, to pressure us to quit, to do everything that he can. And so then we led into March when we turned six, was it six? No, seven. No, five. Five. Can I get a four? Anybody go even a four? When we turned five years old, we hit it, our conference was called Unstoppable. And if those of you that were a part of it remember, man, it was like there was a night in the midst of that, the glory of God was so strong, and I just started, I was up here crying, saying, God, I won't stop you, I won't stop you, I won't stop you. Whatever you want to do, and it broke away, and we went all the way the whole next week, and maybe even into another week, right in the midst of everything locking down, we're those lunatics, like, having church, you know what I'm saying? Like, everybody's like, be wise, be safe, cleanse your hands, and we're over here like, get in the house of the Lord, you know? We're like the, the weirdos in the bunch. And I was like, how prophetic was that? In the sense of right before anybody really knew, the pressure to stop, to quit, to pull, that, pull away, back down, shut your doors. We were up here broadcasting, we won't stop. We are unstoppable. If you refuse to quit, you become unstoppable. And we saw the Lord do it supernaturally. But now I recognize that there, there's still an intense pressure going on in the nation, uh, in the nations. And I want to remind everybody about that in the sense of we're in a Florida, are blessed to have the freedoms that we have right now 
We've started to see some great victories. It is definitely an hour to get a backbone and stand up. Amen. Amen. The more people that stand, the greater we will see the victory in this hour. Come on, somebody. And so I've definitely been grieved by the amount of people that didn't stand. I thought, you should have stood, bro. Like, stand up. Like, this is our hour, you know. And, um, but all across the nations of the world right now, I mean, Australia's in total pandemonium going on. It's insane. People are being shot with rubber bullets if they go for groceries. Imagine that. Can't even leave your house. Have to get a job as a grocery delivery person just so you can walk outside and see the sun. And that's going on in modern society right now, all through the rouge of this pandemic. If there was a real pandemic, we would see people dying on the streets. Never saw any of them die on the streets. Did you see anybody die on the streets? Not a single one. I've seen a lot of dead alligators, so I don't know what's going on with that. (laughs) Seen a lot of, you know, other things, but not that. But it's all meant to control you, to slow things down. But it is a perfect setup for supernatural things to break way suddenly in your life. I want to remind you of Noah that was called by God in the midst of a dark time when people were doing such wickedness. God said, that's it. I'm done with mankind. All they do is eat, sleep, and dream wickedness 24-7. And so the Lord said, I'm giving them 120 years. And he called Noah to build a big boat. And so Noah built a boat for 120 years and told everybody there's a flood coming. But in 120 years, so many people were like, it's crazy Noah talking about a flood, that flood ain't coming because if it was going to come, it would have already came. Time eroded faith. And of course, suddenly, when the day was appointed by God, came, the waters from the ground came up and the waters from the heavens, when it had never rained before, dropped loose on the firmament from above. And everybody now suddenly wants to be Noah's friend. You know it's true. You watch the movie too. What a what a terrible movie, right? Where what what crack pipe did that dude smoke that wrote? I'm telling you, man, let's get some rock giants, bro, and let's get Tubal Cain, and now I think he should bite the head off of a rat. What? Oh, a lizard or whatever. I'm sorry, I haven't watched it since the first time. Let's. <laughs> Hollywood is full of weirdos, bro. Thank God I'm not in that mix. It's a great story and you ruined it, just so you know. The Bible's full of great stories that Hollywood always ruins if they try and make it something. But, uh, but then suddenly, suddenly it broke away. Take David, for instance, that was just a, a, a nobody out in a field. And his dad didn't care about him. His brothers didn't care about him. He was just sitting out there. And the Lord prophesied, you're going to be king. And then what happened? A setup from God that doesn't look like a setup to the average person. It looks like destruction because Goliath taunted the children of Israel for 40 days, the Bible says, shouting to them. And they were so terrified that the fear had already defeated them. At any moment, if the Philistines had attacked Israel, they would have won. You get that? But they never attacked because the Goliath never had the power to actually attack. All he could do is taunt. All the enemy can do to the children of God is taunt you. He can't lay one finger on your head. He can't touch you in any way. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Do you believe it? Come on, somebody. Stir that up. That conviction. God is with me. The enemy can, he can devise a great strategy, but all he can do is sit there and taunt, 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 taunt. And at the end of the day, it's empty words. Come on, somebody, grow up like every kindergartner grew up growing up. Your words are rubber and I'm, no wait, I'm rubber and you're glue. What you say bounces off of me and sticks to you. (laughs) Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Come on, you remember that? Now we're raising up this wamby-pamby generation. Let's just talk about it for a moment here. Where these people are just so weak, you just, you just tell them they can't have vanilla ice cream and they break down. Been, I've been a victim my whole life. Suck it up, buttercup. My generation knows about victimhood. We used to have to go in the backyard and pick which instrument we would be beaten with. 
You're over there talking about someone said something mean to me. My dad said, pick which witch to torture you want. <laughs> do you want the springy one? Do you want the fat one? What do you want, boy? You want them both? I don't want either. <laughs> I really don't want them. I don't know. I don't want them at all. Your day could change when your mom looked at you and just said, I'll just wait till your father gets home. <laughs> Suddenly you're doing dishes. You're mopping the floor. You're giving your mom a massage. Mom, I love you so much. You're beautiful today. Your hair looks nice. <laughs> Out to eat, complaining. I don't want to eat this. Wait till we get home. I love this, Dad. I love spaghetti again. <laughs> and then what happens on the drive home? It's 12 o'clock in the middle of the day, but you want to take a nap, don't you? Because if you can fall asleep before you get home, maybe dad will forget about what he said at the dinner. <laughs> this generation, like, I'll call DCF on you. You call them 20 minutes before they get here. <laughs> A lot can happen in 20 minutes. We got, a, we got a whole lot of attitude adjustment we can dish out right now. <laughs> Spare the rod, spoil the child. My children will not be spoiled in Jesus' name. Amen. Someone says, what are you talking about? Do you spank your kids? No, we beat them. No. <laughs> I'm joking, somebody. <laughs> we beat them live on the internet right now. So, uh, captions read, local P Lake County pastor arrested. <laughs> a little bit of hardship is not a bad thing. Builds in your character. There's a saying, tough times make tough men. And women. Amen. <laughs> tough men make tough women. that bad my wife's like no <laughs> tough tough men like soft women what are, we, what are we doing here I guess she's envisioning something you know like a rough lady you know someone have some joy today this is a serious message I'm going to get into but apparently this was the plan of the Lord to begin with amen how many people realize it's important to laugh come on <laughs> I want to talk to you today about destiny. Your destiny is held in the hands of God. And David's destiny was to be the king of Israel. And so the setup had to happen and had to come. There had to be some way that, that David would go from a shepherd boy to being recognized on a national level. And so the Lord planned it and the enemy couldn't do anything but play his part in the whole story of it all. So it is still today. The enemy cannot do anything but play his part for the final move of God, and we are in the final days. If you believe it, say amen. amen. And it's a great time. Now, how long are the final days? A day is a thousand days, a thousand years to the Lord. I don't know. We could, we could be on planet Earth for another thousand years, for all I know. I do recognize that a lot of what's happening right now, which I don't know if you research this stuff or ever read. I hope you read. But <laughs> there is a strategy it is documented, it has been spoken about publicly of the New World Order, the, the readjustment, which Australia is like fully speaking of New World Order right now. President George Bush spoke fully of the New World Order. That's the introduction of the United Nations, a one world government. We know this will happen. And so, yeah, we can get upset about it. But at the end of the day, we also know it's coming. We also know the hand of the Lord is upon us. And God can position us in whatever area that even if that moves forward, it's moving forward on the timeline of God, not on the timeline of the enemy. Do you believe that? I believe that. I really do. And I began to realize that, that despite the fact of everything going on, it's, it's the Lord that, that dictates the time. Now, the enemy knows from the garden when the curse came, because God cursed the ground of the earth, not mankind, he cursed the ground. The enemy was there, he was cursed, and he knows that this earth has a timeline. This earth will come to an end. 
You got that. So planet earth will, will be destroyed ultimately and a new heaven and a new earth will be given and we will rule and reign as kings in that. Come on somebody. You won't need a travel agent. You can just right wherever you want to go. Come on somebody. I've already put in a couple of just prayer requests to the Lord that I could rule and reign in parts of Fiji or Hawaii and things like that. Somebody's got to do it. Suffer for the Lord in the millennial reign. I'll do it God. I know you're not getting bombarded with a lot of those requests, so this guy right here will take it. Amen. <laughs> but these things will happen. But the enemy knows the world has an end. So then there's population control. That is a strategy spoken about publicly that they believe that the, the world is getting too populated. So it's too populated. The plastic, the mankind is destroying the ozone. Mankind is climate change. And they switched from global warming to climate change because it didn't get hotter. It got colder. So they just had to switch their terminology. You notice that? Real clever. We didn't catch that. Whatever. But this plan was population control. And it has been played out. Regularly, for people, if you if you if you study this thing out, especially in parts of Africa, where it was an intentionally where they vaccinated Africans and made them barren so that they couldn't reproduce, because they didn't want Africa to reproduce because they're poor and we need to get rid of them. So strategy, because ultimately the the enemy feels that if he can slow population, he can slow the end of days, and he doesn't want judgment to come. You do realize the enemy does not want. Jesus to return he wants to slow it as long as possible but guess what buddy you don't get to dictate the seasons or the times that is held in the hands of the father above if we grew to a hundred billion people or whatever it takes if God says now's not the time the earth would sustain every single one of us because that's the God that we serve come on birds would just get fatter chickens would just be like this walking around block, 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 block. Whatever, whatever it takes you know what I'm saying you gotta, you got to get to the point, and I, I know I'm being comedic, but I'm just trying to paint the picture of there is literally nothing for a child of God to fear. We don't have to be afraid of what nations, world leaders do. You can smoke your peace pipes, do your crack, take whatever you want, fly your private jets to whatever sick island you want to, but it's not going to affect my life. Because the covenant I have with God has made me more than a conqueror. I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. So every strategy you have does not ever apply to my life. I will always be the person that breaks every statistic. And grab that, man. Every time you hear a statistic tried to throw on you, be like, well, that's just too bad. Because I am not a statistic. I will always break the statistics. That's hard to say. Today, Junior. <laughs> Statistic. People say it all the time, and you got to be careful of what you say amen to. Because you don't agree with everything that's said about your life. Come on. Some things you got to bind. I bind that in Jesus' name. That does not apply to my life whatsoever. Statistically, most marriages don't make it in America. Well, my marriage is going to be great. You know what I'm saying? My kids are going to be blessed. My household's going to be blessed. Statistically, this is what happens. I don't care about statistics. They're made up. Most of them are made up on the spot anyways. And you can manipulate numbers to say whatever you want to say. Ask any good IRS agent. It's true. I want to talk to you today about your destiny is held in the hands of God. Be confident in that. Man, the Lord is the author, the perfecter. And the finisher of my faith. That I don't have to have a 50 year plan. Thank God for that. I can have a wake up in the morning and trust God plan. And that will be enough. That 20 years of doing that. People will actually think I was the wisest person ever. Because of the track record of my life. How did you know that these things would happen? Well actual fact I didn't know that they would happen. I just followed what God told me to do. I was faithful to it to the end and it was always perfect because God's timing is perfect amen. amen trust it 120 years it took before God destroyed the world why because it took that long for Noah to be ready 40 days Goliath taunted because it took that long for David to arrive on the battleground you've been waiting for the promises of God but you've been making yourself ready and so now this will swiftly come to pass 
Because when you get ready and when you are prepared, it's a suddenly from God that changes everything overnight. David was a nobody shepherd boy and suddenly he was standing in the presence of the king of king, of the king in that hour and promised to be wed to the girl. It happened suddenly. I prophesy to this church, to every person that has a promise of God that you've been holding on to saying, Lord, I know it's been a long time. It's almost to the point that I feel like it's eroded from my life. Shake that erosion off. You've prepared yourself. Your heart is pure. You're here right now. You love God with all that you are. And the promises of God are swiftly coming to pass in your life. If you believe it, take 15 seconds and praise God like this is the moment. And it finally broke way. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Coming. Coming, says the Lord. Swiftly the Lord will respond. Swiftly the Lord will respond. Jesus. Swiftly. Swiftly. Psalm 147, 15. He sends out his command to the earth. And his word runs very swiftly. Jesus, we've been talking about redeeming the times, about the, the stand the church is in right now. Thank God for a church with a backbone, and thank God that our God is not small, that you see this in Claremont, but I can promise you this exists in China, this exists in Russia, this exists in every city that has ever had any hardship put on them. There is always a church that stands, because our God is a big, 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 big God, and his people are unstoppable. And fearless. Because we're full of faith. We're part of the winning team. But today I want to talk about it personally. I do want to talk about it personally. There are promises of God. I go through my phone often. and when I, I, rec- I, I don't know if you do this. But I, in moments, like when an anointed time of worship's coming on. Or even in anointed messages. I get to the point where the anointing is so strong. I don't really listen to what's happening. Things start exploding on the inside of me. Who, could, who has this happen? That's actually how I begin to feel. Is the anointing there? When the anointing's there, things begin to explode in you. It's like the spirit of creation is going wild in you. And you're writing vision and you're writing things and you're getting revelation. And so I do it all the time. Thank God for iPhones. You know what I'm saying? I know that the Lord probably is an Apple user. <laughs> I just offended half the room. Amen. <laughs> you're welcome. Get your, your Samsung and get on out of here. that's it I can't stand this false prophet man (laughs) it's always something to divide us amen but I write stuff it's like you go through and you begin to read stuff and man I promise you you need to do this because under the unction of the anointing things flow freely from you and you'll go back to it two years three years later and man you read it two things will happen number one you'll be encouraged Because things you write under the anointing of God, even when you forget about them and you don't pray about them, they will come to pass because the Lord will ordain it to come to pass. And he gave you it ahead of time. And you writing it out was just the prophecy that it took to speak those things which are not as though they are. And it came to pass. Come on. We spoke about prophecy last week, but you'll read it and you'll be encouraged. My gosh, that literally happened. And at the time when you wrote it, you're like, man, that seemed like the last least thing that would ever happen. You know, just interesting enough, even to the point of, I remember years ago, and when I gave, I felt the Lord lead me to give an offering, a big offering, and it was it was a, a financial offering, but also I had a vehicle at the time. Sorry, I didn't have a vehicle. I just had money. I was believing God. I wrote down, I want to believe God to give away a vehicle, and I wanted to believe God for a house. And so I wrote down a three or four bedroom house with a white fence and a pool. And it was interesting that when the Lord directed us to buy a house, it was literally advertised as a three-bedroom, but when we got there, they said, well, it's a three-bedroom or a four-bedroom, depending on what you do with this room. So it was like literally exactly, like with the verbiage that I wrote, three or four is what God gave me. I'm thinking it will be a three-bedroom, it will be a four-bedroom. The Lord's like, no, you asked for a three or four. <laughs> so some of you out there will be like, thank you, Lord, I thank you for a 10 or 365. Chill out, bro. You don't need a house that big. You have to clean it. Say, no, that's why I have children. Okay, amen. (laughs) Train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they were old, they will still be your maid. Amen. 
scriptural. You'll find it somewhere in there. I believe it. Just twist honor. You got to honor me. But you do that, and I, I, I want you to get to that point because in this room right now, have been so many incredible promises from God that if they were all to manifest themselves in our lives, it would literally catapult this entire region to another level. Some of it is in the realms of business and finances. Some of you have had dreams and visions of owning and operating businesses that you have never stepped into before. Well, I want to encourage you today. May it swiftly come upon you. May you have the boldness to step out of the boat because sometimes you just need the boldness to step out. And then the Lord will breathe upon what you put your hand to, and it will prosper in Jesus' name. Some of you other things, it's been, it's been the promises of God that you've been waiting for breakthrough in certain areas. It has been in spouses. It has been in this. It has been in that. I want to encourage you to put that before you before the close of this year. I feel the unction of the Holy Spirit to rekindle that expectation in your life. And we have just one month left, but God can do in one month what man cannot do in a hundred years. And if you believe that, shout amen right now. I promise you, I feel the unction of God on this right now to make it personal. Forget the nations. The nation will be taken care of by the collective of the church rising to the place we're supposed to go to. And at the end of the day, they can strategize, they can huff, they can puff. Democrats can Democrat and Republicans can Republic. You do what you want to do, but it will not affect the plan and the purpose of God in my life. I will have the wisdom to navigate whatever comes the, down my life, and I will, I will be sure targeted to hit exactly what I need to hit. But I felt to put it before you before the close of this year. If you need to go home and print the promises of God out, if you need to go home and rekindle or you're not believing God for something right now, then I want to challenge you. What's the point of faith if you're not going to use faith? What's the point of having access to the throne of grace that you can boldly approach if you're not ever going to approach and ask for anything? Jesus said in his word, you have not because you ask not. You say, well, I don't know what I can ask for. It says, I, you can ask for anything, the Bible says. Come on. I'm stirring the pot right now because I want to awaken this in everybody. God wants to do miraculous things in your life. And you got to make it personal in this hour. Say, God, before the close of this year, the promises of God, the things that I don't even tell people about, those hidden dreams, those hidden visions, those precious things, these struggles that I'm tired of, this pressure I've been under, this thing breaks this year in the name of Jesus Christ. He is the chain breaker. He is upon my life. And I love him with all that I am. And I am well pleasing to God. And his desire is to see the promises come to pass within me. Amen? Amen. You get to the point where you begin to realize, man, you have a covenant with God. You have a covenant with God. You stand. When Abraham lied and said, Sarah's my wife, which he didn't really lie, not wife, sister. He didn't lie. She was a sister. I know the word gets kind of tricky in some parts. Like, God... I mean, was Abraham Joe dirt or what, you know? <laughs> Shouldn't have gone there. Shouldn't have gone there. But it was, it was iffy. And then, uh, 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 what is his name? Abimelech, Ahimelech. Abimelech. Yeah, this is a tough one. He takes her into the household. The Lord restrains him and then puts sickness on him, shows him it. This is the wife of Abraham. He goes to her. Why did you lie? He said, well, she's actually my sister. We share the same father, but not the same mother. I told her to do this so that I would not be murdered everywhere I go. Well, take your wife back and take all of this wealth back. And, the, and they bless Abraham for it. But then the Bible says that they made a covenant. They made a covenant regarding later wells. Because Abraham went to him and said, your people are cutting me out of the wells that I have dug. And so let us cut a covenant today that I will always have access to the wells that have been made, that we dug out. And, and Abimelech says, okay, what is, the, what is the terms? Abraham took animals, I think it was seven or eight animals, and he gave them as a covenant to say, we cut a covenant today, and everything you agree with, that these wells are mine and I have access to them. So it is, you've got to begin to realize that Jesus came and cut a covenant for you. So that you can go before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and have access to what Jesus purchased for you. What did Jesus purchase for you? He purchased for you redemption. 
Redemption is not forgiveness of sin. Redemption is restoration of who you are meant to be. A child of God, a chosen generation, and a royal priesthood that walks in power and dominion in this planet. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. You've got to stand on the covenant promises of God. When sickness comes in your household, you've got to say, I have a covenant with the Almighty that says you cannot operate here. You are illegally operating. I call the police on you right now. Get out of my premises. You are trespassing. I put out a trespass warning to every sickness, every disease, every virus, every attack from hell, every depressing spirit, every oppressing spirit. You cannot function in my life. You're not allowed. It is illegal. I stand on the court of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he has vindicated me and redeemed me. I am his child, a child of the Most High, a joint heir with Christ Jesus. And I remind you of that today. The promises will swiftly come to your life personally. It's time for the church to elevate your status and your vision. You dream too small. You expect too little. You settle for for less. It's like we all are satisfied to be the woman that comes and begs and is called a dog, but says even the dogs eat the crumbs off the table. That was an example of Christ saying to the people outside of of Israel at that time. But Jesus still did the miracle. But the invitation was not to stop there because when Jesus came back from the grave, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Because now things have changed. Now even the Gentile that couldn't access the promises of God have become the chosen children of God because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It is redemption. Every tribe, every tongue, every color of skin, every nationality, every language has access to the Father above. And it's time to step into our place. You didn't have it, but may it come swiftly in your life before the close of this year may you hold the promises of God within your grasp those that have been under attack in various areas of your life it's like as a pastor I've been noticing this have you noticed what a crazy attack it has been to cut people's life short right now I mean if it's not a virus then it's crazy accidents happening everywhere you look pile-ups car accidents motorcycle accidents crazy things happening And yet I've been watching the hand of God be upon this church and people that should not be alive are still alive today. But you've got to claim that for yourself. I pray it every day for this church. I pray protection on this church. I really do. I'm like, God, every member, may the blood of Jesus be on them. May every strategy of hell be broken off of their life. May they walk upright and see the blessings of God. I pray it. But you've got to step into it too. Amen. The promises of God. The suddenlies of the Lord. Paul was on the road to Damascus to bring destruction to the church when suddenly he met Jesus face to face. The Bible says, suddenly a great light shone round about him and he fell to his knees and cried out, who art thou Lord and what do you want me to do? What wilt thou have me do? Two questions everyone should ask. Who is the Lord truly to you? Do you know him? Do you know his ways? Do you know his voice? Do you know his presence? Do you know his unction? Do you know his leading? Because there is a lot of mistruth right now. There are a lot of lies and mixture of lies and distractions and this and that. But man, when you know God, you will see through and you will know exactly what's happening. Do you know him? Secondly, what does he want you to do? And you say, man, God told me I'm going to do this. And it's so big, it's insane. I remember when I was in college, I took my business class. One of the classes we had to do is write out our vision for the next 10 years of our life. Bro, I wrote out my vision. My, my, I got an A plus on it, 102. I didn't even know you could get more than 100. But he wrote in here, in, in 25 years of teaching, he said, I have never read anybody with a vision like your vision. It was like total world domination, I wrote. You know, Everybody's like, I'm going to get married and have kids. I'm like, I'm going to own New York. I forget everything I put in there. I like strategized it out, numbers, computing. Did I tap into it? Not yet, but bless God, you better get ready. Because I'm a man of great vision, and I will see the glory of God, and I am just getting started in this life. There is still much to happen. Sometimes you got to stir it up, though, because I can tell you, the pressure cooker of life kicked me so hard. Then I began to lose the faith to believe for more. 
It kicked me so hard I began to use my faith to survive. Rather than walking on water, I was using faith to believe I could keep swimming. Mm -mm. Time for that is over with, my friend. I'm going to walk on every water. I'm going to walk on every storm. I'm going to command every mountain to get out of my life. The days of surviving are behind me. The days of thriving are ahead of me. The glory of God has set before me a course that the enemy has no power to stop me from walking in. I will see the goodness of God in the land. Jesus, you have to... You almost, it's like you almost need the pressure because the pressure makes you get so agitated you finally snap. Some of you are about to snap in Jesus' name. Amen. It's like that. That's it, man. It's time to snap a glorious snap from the Lord because until you're willing to stir that thing up and fight that battle, the enemy will continue to mock day in and day out, day in and day out. Every day set before you saying you can't have this and you can't touch this. Oh, but you're not just a normal person in an army. You're not just a number in a crowd. You're not a statistic. You're not just a person that came into America with a social security number. You're a blood-bought child of God. My Lord, do you know who you are? He has watched you from the day you were formed in your mother's womb. He has sang over you and danced over you. You're a cherished one from above. The apple of his eye. If anybody's going to break through, you better believe it's you. Somebody grab this right now. I'm injecting you with personal faith. I'm giving you a jab today, and it's mandatory. Come back next Sunday for the second booster. Come on, somebody. Time to boost your faith in Jesus' name. Time to stir up that wild expectation. I'm just getting started. I'm just getting started. My best days are right ahead of me. Jesus. Stir up that wild expectation. Man, what you've strived for in the years past will come swiftly and easily to you from this day forward. If you believe it, say amen. The thing you used to plow all year in prayer for to get a breakthrough in will become something that happens weekly in your life from this moment forward because you're on a track record of success and you're being elevated from glory to glory. Believe it. Talking about redemption. Talking about personal redemption. That everything the enemy had planned for your life, that every pressure he ever put on you to keep you where you were, that every negative word, every negative Nancy, every hardship, every pain, every trial, and every tribulation, everything he used to hold you back, the Lord will turn around and use as the ingredients to catapult you forward. Because when the enemy tried to break you, all he did was make you ready for a bigger giant. You went from the lion, you went to the bear, you looked at the giant, now you're taking the nation, and if that's you, shout amen right now. Come on, stir yourself up. Stir yourself up. It's time to believe. It's time to shake off complacency. It's time to recognize that God has dreamed bigger than his bride has dreamed. That's why he said, remember this, that I can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. So are you asking big enough? Are you believing big enough? Are you stirring yourself? Right now is the most wild time the world has ever been in. The amount of wealth being created on this planet right now is mind-boggling. It's uncomprehendable. Uncompreh People can't even compute. Just in the cryptocurrency world alone, the wealth that is exploding. And just so you know, you've got to realize concerning money, it's literally all fake. It's literally all fake. So if it's fake and if it's a game, stir yourself up, bro. If you're like me, you talk trash in games. Every Tennessee boy knows you don't have to actually win. You just have to make the opponent feel like a loser. But there's a confidence when it's a game. It's the game of life, man. And it has been made up. The enemy has made rules. But guess what? We win. And we operate on a whole other set of rules. The Lord is with us. The Lord is for us. But sometimes you got to stir yourself to that place and realize, man, that's it. I'm going to another level. I take even my own personal life. I remember this. Of everything I went in when I first went after God, 
I was going after God. I'm running after him. And all the persecution, friends, that just started ripping into me, calling me a weirdo, a Jesus freak. Man, I'm, I'm still smoking, still drinking weed. Or drink, drinking weed. <laughs> Tastes awful, by the way. Still doing everything from hell. Being mocked as though I'm, I've lost the, the plot. And I, all that persecution just kept driving me to the Lord. More and more, the more they would say, the more they would pick on me, was like actually fuel to get up on Sunday just to go to church to be like, look, if they're going to pick on me on this, it must be bigger than I even realized. And then when my aunt tried to take her life and then ultimately succeeded, that was like meant to break me. It was like meant to discourage me because I didn't pray for her like I felt I should have done something. I should have stepped in. I knew all of that and I felt like a failure. And then the Lord spoke to me in a time of prayer and broke that off. And I realized, man, the things that I've endured are what has equipped me and prepared me to keep fighting and moving forward. Because I don't have a track record of everything being hunky-dory. I have a track record of... (laughs) And still, somehow or another, the whole curve has remained somehow moving forward. (laughs) If you just ignore all the valleys, the shakings, the backtracks, you know what I'm talking about right now. It's not like, how's it serving the Lord? It's like, (laughs) ask me on Tuesday if I still feel how I feel on today. But let me tell you something. The track record is proven that God is with you in everything you go through. That the greatest fights, how many of you can testify some of the major battles you've seen in life? And I've seen them. Things that you feel will crush you suddenly turned like that. It went from, I can't, I can't, I can't, to boom. It just broke. And now looking back on it, you're like, what was I even scared about? Because a mountain is only a mountain when you're at ground level. But when you're flying above it in a helicopter, it looks like a little bitty blip. Somebody grab this. Time to change your perspective. I feel it. The suddenlies of God. Elijah, when we've, we've been studying for redeeming the times. When he got heavy, the Bible says, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Heaviness, suddenly from God, you're eating a meal that catapults you forward. Suddenly the word of the Lord comes in the the cave, and two destinies were born. The destiny of Jehu to become king, and the destiny of Elisha to become the next prophet. Prophesied and came to pass swiftly from the word of the Lord. Paul, on the road to Damascus, encountered the Lord, and swiftly a destiny was born. God is in the business of doing things really quickly when he needs to get the job done. Come on, somebody. Samuel. Take Samuel. Samuel, the Bible says, suddenly the voice of the Lord came to Samuel. Suddenly, in the middle of the night, and spoke to him. But in that time period, Samuel was, a, was a, literally a promised child. His mom couldn't even have kids. Barren, depressed, oppressed, and mocked by the other wife of the husband that she had. Because she couldn't have kids crying out to the Lord so desperately, the priest thought she was drunk in the temple and mocked her. So don't be like that here. And she's like, I'm not drunk. I'm just desperate. And then boom, what did desperation do? It brought forth a miracle baby. Pressure grew on the inside and the promise came out. Pressure is necessary to birth something new. And when that child came out, The priests were perverted. They're sleeping around, darkness in the land. Nobody sees the hand of the Lord, but suddenly a destiny is born. And that destiny rose up and brought David forward to the front. Guys, grab a hold of this right now. It may look dark. It may look like it's impossible. It may seem far off, but I tell you, get ready for the suddenlies of God to come before the close of this year. Things are going to break in your life. Suddenly, a mighty rushing wind filled the temple where they were all sitting. 120 destinies were birthed in one single encounter. Those 120 turned the world upside down. God is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's a God of suddenlies. He's a God of miraculous breakthrough. You didn't have it, but you're going to have it in the name of Jesus. If you can testify to that, shout amen. Hallelujah, I feel it. Let's talk a little bit longer about the promises of God. Destiny is God-given and not held in the hands of the enemy. 
even my own life is an absolute divine miracle. When my, my dad was a young man, he got a hold of herding sheep in the mountains of Montana. He loved it. Would go out there every year and herd sheep all across Montana and hunt elk, live the wildlife. He was a total cowboy, awesome guy. One year he got separated from his horse and caught up in a blizzard. The blizzard was so intense he couldn't find his way through the blizzard. And he said hypothermia began to set in to the point that he was tired. Because when you get hypothermia sets in, you actually feel sleepy. Your body shuts down. You feel warm. And he laid down in the snow to go to sleep. As a young man in his early 20s, not yet married to my mom. And he said, I would have peacefully slipped right away. But as he fell asleep, suddenly an angel of the Lord shook him. And he opened his eyes and an angel of God stood before him and said, rise, son, get up and walk over this hill. He got up and walked over the single hill right smack dab to his camp that he couldn't find for hours. Got inside the tent, warmed himself up and lived from that moment forward. My dad began to change his life. The year, year and a half later, he winds up in Bible school where he meets my mom, marries her. And then ultimately, you know what this kid <laughs> wound up doing. But beyond that. My mom had three kids, and she realized three kids is enough because more than arms you have is a trial. You know what I'm saying? But I have heard, actual fact, once you get past three, you keep pumping them out, and it gets easier. 20, 23 is the same as four. But my wife, I mean, my, not my wife, my mom, had three kids and said to my dad, I'm done. And so my dad agreed, and my mom got her tubes tied. So she couldn't have kids. And then come to find out she's pregnant with me. Total miracle. My mom was like, what's going on? You have no idea what God will do to ensure that his plan moves forward. So beauty, take this church. So that's like a side note of my life. Not to even to mention the amount of things that should have killed me. I drove a truck off a cliff. I had to climb up and jump and climb a vine to get off the cliff. Walked away without a scratch. Flipped four-wheelers on highways, wrecked a boat, drove it into a solid concrete wall, and walked away with no scratch on my body whatsoever. Plowed a, tree, a, a car into a tree when I hydroplaned at 70 miles an hour, and, the, and no seatbelt because I'm a redneck from Tennessee. Seatbelts are a violation of personal choices. Somebody back me up here. People are looking at me like, you need, I hate the ding, ding, ding. You can take your ding, ding, ding. I've gotten so many tickets for not wearing seatbelts throughout the year, and then I actually found out that warrants go out for your arrest when you don't pay those things, but I didn't pay them as a principle that I should have the right to not wear this seatbelt. Then I actually send in the payment to leave the warrant arrest. I'm telling you they've been taking our rights for many years, people. You've got to stand your ground. If more people didn't wear seatbelts, we would all be free today. I I wear it now because it dings. <laughs> Stand your ground. Anyways, people don't know how to take what I'm saying right now, but I didn't. <laughs> Wasn't wearing a seatbelt. The truck turned around perfectly, hit a tree backwards so that I walked away with just a scratch on my head. Well, maybe not a scratch. It was, it was pretty bad, but anyways. I had a glass shard in my forehead that we were engaged, and I had to get her to get a pocket knife to cut my forehead to get it out. And that's when I knew, this is the one. <laughs> when she's willing to slice open your forehead and squeeze out a chunk of gla glass, hold on to those precious women, guys. <laughs> when they can pluck a turkey... <laughs> Anyways... I could keep going, but I should have died. But beyond that, take this church. You know, it's interesting to think, what did it take to get us to Claremont? Number one, we had never heard of Claremont, as most of you in this room had never heard of Claremont. Let's be honest. Some of you actually didn't know that's where you are right now. Where's Claremont? That's where we're at. Oh. We had never heard of it. And the way I wound up actually ever even coming to this church was it was called the river before I was here. And we came from the river in Tampa. And so it's just a name. 
but you think the river in Claremont would know the river in Tampa. So I sent out a message to the pastors here on LinkedIn because I was, at that time I was a recruiter, so I was heavy, heavily involved in LinkedIn. Wound up meeting the pastor, and you know how this church became called the river. So I'm like, you know Pastor Rodney. He didn't know Pastor Rodney. But years previous, this church was called Heart House Community Church. And the Lord spoke to the pastor in the shower, changed the name of the church to the river. So he was like, right as he's showering, he's like, change the church to the river. Okay, so he finishes showering, comes out, talks to his wife. And he says, the Lord spoke to me. I think we're supposed to change the name of the church. And she looks at her husband and she says, yeah, we're supposed to name it the river. The Lord spoke to me two weeks ago. For whatever reason, God always speaks to the wife <laughs> before the husband. What is that, Lord? I think it's the women take more time to come around to it. Men are just like, okay. <laughs> like we don't overthink. Okay, all right, jump. Woo! <laughs> oh, wait, what am I, what am I doing? <laughs> you know it's true. That whole processing part of the man's brain comes after we jump. Then we start computing, calculating, realizing there's, there's about a 7% chance I'm going to live. I should have kept God. I lived. That was awesome. <laughs> the Lord spoke to her, the name of the river. So then, to make it even more interesting, and I'm trying to wrap it up, but who knows when I will. <laughs> We're traveling in the ministry because the Lord called us as traveling ministers. So we're traveling and feel the change to become pastors. I mean, you just, I knew it. Uh, terminology is probably not right, but it was a sensing. We knew we needed to, to change. And so we began to pray into that, looking for churches, and churches were presented to us. When a prophet comes on the, on the scene that prophesies to us and says, this is the word of the Lord, that you are not the mountain, you're not the plain, you are the river. You're not helping the river, you are the river. And so, obviously it was multi-tiered. When God speaks, there's actually multiple things. Whenever you get a word from God, write it down and chew on it because you will get way more revelation than you first get. I promise you that. If God says one sentence to you, you can chew on that thing for eight years like a cow chews on its cud and still get juice from it. And so, it was multi-tiered, but when it came time to choose a church, the church presented to us in the mountains of, of um, it was called Mountain Valley Church. In Juneau, Alaska. And so we're not the mountain. Then we we're offered a church in the plains or somewhere, wherever. It was everything lined up until we got to the river. The one we wouldn't choose, just so you know, was the one that God ordained for us to walk in. Because truth be told, we choose poorly. God chooses wisely. Because man looks on the outside appearance, but God looks depth on the depth within, and he knows the end before the beginning. So always lean on God's wisdom, and you will wind up realizing God chose better than you could ever choose for yourself. So all of these things had to fall in line just for us to wind up here at the river. That it had to be called the river seven years before we ever stepped foot here. The Lord spoke it to him in, in a shower so that they would change the name to attract me to even come here to preach, to begin a relationship, then prophesy that we're not in the mountains, so that we would wind up taking this place. Why? Because God has a plan. Amen. Trust His plan. And when you're just willing to take each day at a time, imagine if the Lord in Bible school showed me all of that. You would screw it up. Are you with me right now? People are like, what's it look like? If God gave you everything, you would ruin it. Because you don't produce as well as God. What you think you produce is not nearly what God produces. Come on. I remember in, 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 in kindergarten, we had to make a Valentine's heart one time. And I made the most beautiful heart in class. I put white lace around it. Wrote, I love you, mama. Put pink hearts in the red hearts and everything like that. And I brought my mom to kindergarten to show off my heart. And we're looking at the, at the, the poster with all the hearts on it. And I can't find my heart. And my mom finally is like, here it is right here. And I looked down. It was the ugliest heart of them all. I didn't even like fold it and have to get the heart even. It was like one little loop and one big loop. Looked like a Dumbo ear. 
said KFAB because I could never spell my name right. I always switched up L's and F's. I mean, to the, I don't know where it came from, KFAB. And I was so horrified. It had like lace on one corner sticking out. I was like, it's the ugliest heart. And my mom's like, no, it's beautiful. Moms say whatever, you know. I know it's not beautiful, mom. That is so hideous. I want to throw it away. But in my mind, I had produced the best heart. What I actually produced was the worst heart. <laughs> Nailed it right there. You know what I'm saying? Every time your kid's like, I want, I want a Buzz Lightyear cake. Okay, I think I could do that. <laughs> then you, you step back and then they're like, what is it? <laughs> it's what you asked for. To infinity and beyond. <laughs> See the cake. Look at it. It looks like Clifford, the big red dog. I ran out of blue. I don't care. You will eat it and you will like it. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> what we try and produce on our own is really fails in comparison to what God can produce. If we just stay in faith and keep moving forward. So in closing, felt to prophesy, expect the suddenlies of the Spirit of God before the close of this year. If you believe that, I want you to stand your feet right now. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.